Hello, everybody. We are going to be talking about why artists should stop trying to make viral art. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. Let's ask first, what does it actually mean to go viral for an artwork? So Dorian, what would be your definition of going viral for an artwork? I would say that going viral is when you have a lot of viewership and a lot of people are able to visibly see your work. I don't necessarily believe that it's the engagement that comes with it, but we'll get into that. But yeah, I feel like it's more about how many people have eyes on what you just did. I feel like there's different degrees of going viral because Mia, I believe that your first post on TikTok went viral. Yeah, I would say it went like more viral than I'm used to. So that's why to me, in my opinion, I would say it went kind of viral, but it definitely wasn't the 12 million view viral. Uh, for me, I think it was my first video. I was posting something that reviewed a big project I was working on. So it got a lot of eyes. Um, but some people going viral means like a few thousand. Some people it means like a billion views. So it, it depends on where you're at and what you're making. But I, yeah, I would agree with Dorian that it's the eyes on it that really make it viral. Social media. <laughs> is Russian roulette. Mia, you introduced me. This is your phrase of how you describe social media. So what do you mean by this in relation to viral art? I always have used this term, especially when talking about TikTok or video apps like Instagram Reels and things like that, because a lot of the time you're posting the same or similar content and it feels like you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall. And then one time it might stick and it will go viral and it will just sort through the algorithm good enough to get those eyes and to really make it boost. But nowadays, so many people are aiming to go viral every day, every second of the day, that it's really hard to actually achieve that. Um, so yeah, that's why I use that term. I'm curious, it's confession time, everybody. <laughs> Who here at any point has wanted to go viral. I wanted Art Prof to go viral. <laughs> I was like, our Kickstarter campaign, it's gonna go viral and we're gonna get so many donations. Of course that didn't happen. And I have different ideas about that now. Dorian, for you, have you ever felt like, oh, it'd be so awesome if that happened. I want that to happen. I don't know how. Yeah, sadly. Uh, <laughs> I like cringe at it sometimes. Like it's, I don't know, there's just a feeling of whenever you do go viral, when you want to achieve going viral, you know, you have to do something that's kind of basic or kind of, I don't know, it, it just has to capture somebody the right way. And for most of the like TikTokers and social media influencers, there's a way and an approach to that stuff that I feel lessens my work, so to speak. So I, I don't know. I don't, Mia, what about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I know what you're saying. Like, I think that some the first thing that comes to my mind are those Instagram audios that are literally just like, sigh, I guess I have to post this artwork and turn it around slowly to get views. And it's just like whining and self-aware. And it's like, that's just more cringe. And like, it really does cheapen the work in my opinion. So like, I, I understand why it would be so discouraging to like try and make that content. 
Jane says, it's never occurred to me I could ever be popular enough to go viral. I'm happy with steady growth. It seems to have picked up lately, and so I'm encouraged. Well, we're going to tell you all that you should stop trying to go viral because it's not necessarily as great of a thing as in our minds. And steady growth, that's the stuff that sticks. I mean, it takes way longer <laughs> to do, but that's where the real rewards happen. Now, here's the other thing about social media that I think is very confusing to people is that oftentimes those numbers, they don't align with professional success. For example, Lauren, our New York City artist superstar, just had her first solo exhibition in New York City at a major gallery. And that's a big, big deal. Okay. So Dorian, you look at Lauren's Instagram and on the Instagram, Lauren has 5,000 followers. And yet what do you make of the fact that she's had smashing New York City art dream success? Yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, it's all about what you're personally seeking from social media. Uh, and if you want to be a one hit wonder and you want to get that one video that's like, boom, everyone loves it. And it might be great for you for a while, but I don't know. You can be that or you can be like Lauren and have a social media to display the things that you're doing and use it as a place to showcase, but then also have these really amazing real life experiences and moments. Like being able to have your family come and see a gallery that you curated with only your work, like that's something that not a lot of artists get to have the opportunity to do. And Lauren told me actually that she has a friend who has a much bigger Instagram following, but has not had the exhibition history or the sales history that she's had. And I think Mia, unfortunately, a lot of people equate numbers with quality. Like, oh, if my work was better, I'd have more followers. But actually, I don't think that's true at all. Yeah, I mean, it's a completely different language. Like when you're talking about social media and success on social media versus success in real life, because even within social media itself, if you have a lot of followers, it doesn't necessarily mean you have great engagement, which is what people should be looking for. Um, so I think that people kind of learn to speak the online language and can learn how to make things blow up and talk to people and engage. But unless you know how to carry that into real life scenarios, you might not find success, even if it seems like you're very popular online. So I think people see the numbers and get afraid, like, oh, no, I'll never hit that. How will I be successful? But don't worry. It's not the end all be all if you're not successful online. Same thing with Layla Faye. I just saw Layla in New York City last week, and she went to Yale for her MFA, which is the golden ticket into the New York City art world. She had a major solo exhibition at a New York City gallery, and she never posted Instagram. She, she's like not even on social media most of the time, and yet had the smashing success with this exhibition. And Doreen, I get it, it's discouraging to have numbers that are low. And so I, I understand the impulse. So Dorian, do you have suggestions for how to maybe put some of those reasonings aside in terms of numbers? Uh, I'm still trying to navigate that myself, to be honest, because I'm growing my business. Like 
even this past week, I've been focused more on the work aspect because my two-year anniversary is next Monday. So it's like things like that take precedent over me wanting to go viral and post something that people are going to like on Instagram. Because when I have the tangible work and things actually back up the things that I want to accomplish and I want to do, that's more fulfilling and that also shows more about your drive as a designer and an artist in a business than just wanting to, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's just me. <laughs> and Mia, there is this whole culture now of artists who are actively trying to go viral all the time. And it's, in my mind, not even really a studio practice in that sense, because you're making art for totally different reasons. Yeah, I mean, it. I think that I mean, maybe I've just been on the apps long enough to tell, but I can always kind of tell when it's made to be kind of almost like a like a cash grab or just something to go viral versus, okay, this person genuinely cares about their art and is making this for the sake of making art or they have a story to tell or they have a concept that they're passionate about. Um, and I think that how I fell into a good steady rhythm with my relationship to social media was I took a step back from wanting to go viral and I just started devoting myself to what work makes me happy and posting that. And it felt way more natural and I've been able to grow steadily. So I think that's the healthiest way to go about it. Brian says, I don't post to go viral. The act of posting is part of the creative process. I also want success and try and avoid fame, though I find I have to go through the motions. I think it's a matter of finding a balance for what's reasonable, because who doesn't want their post to perform well? I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just when it gets in the way of larger concepts, like developing something that goes beyond a three-second response is something I certainly aim for in my work. Here's another thing. Going viral has so much to do with timing and current events and you being there to say the right thing that maybe people are going to really respond to. So, for example, this is Pakistani artist Sarah Shaquille, and this artist made a series of these digital collages, and it was a response to the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, where people were really talking about, okay, washing your hands and everything. And so she did this whole series. And if you go to her Instagram, you'll see that the sparkly stuff is in pretty much everything she does. It wasn't just the coronavirus thing. She'd been doing that the whole time. And then all of a sudden, that went totally viral. So Dorian, in some ways, this is frustrating, because it's like, what, am I going to pay attention to current events and make work about it all the time. It's like, who has the headspace for that? Yeah, I feel like it's all about finding the lane that you want to be in. Uh, also having an identity. I, I think this goes more to show that having an identity on social media is a better way to gain going viral than to just throw something out there and hope that it sticks. Because I know that so many times, more often than not, that's how some of the things go. Uh, but things like this, where it's been curated, it's been built, it's someone's style, like they've grown and they posted it and it happened to work and it happened to stick. I don't know. I feel like that's just, that just says a lot. And we also have this uh, concept basically 
which is that a viral artwork doesn't always build a loyal following because some people it does <laughs> because if you look at Sarah Shaquille I mean she has a million followers I'm sure that's related to the viral post but Mia a million followers isn't necessarily a good following if that makes sense yeah I mean that's something that I struggled to accept I think like after I found a little bit of success with that first video I posted on TikTok I was kind of thinking oh my gosh this is gonna change everything and I'm gonna be famous and like everyone's gonna know me and talk to me and like I'm living my dreams and all that and that did not happen like it was basically I posted that and then like radio silence it didn't matter that I now had a lot more followers than I had before the algorithms now work so that it might promote one video and then not show you to any of those new followers because they just found you through that one work. So again, like loyal engagement comes from posting regularly and having a personality and an, and an identity like Dorian was saying before. So yeah, it's, it might be a little discouraging to go from like a hundred to zero, but it's normal. Well, and also, likes and follows they don't always build up to sales oh. dorian i know you have blacktop market your shop so have has that something that's ever frustrated you that like oh this is so popular people are saying so many things but nobody bought it consistently uh <laughs> consistently i feel like a lot of what i do is better in person uh and I guess that I'm realizing it more with my social media that I want to post the cool things that I'm like working on as I'm working on them and use it more as a process documentation kind of deal. Uh, because yeah, I feel I, I'm a people person. So I talk to people whenever I have my work in front of me. I'm like, this is the story, this is what it is. And once I feel like I gained that following in person, then it will be able to easier or it will be easier to translate that on social media as it's grown. Ginger says you could get stuck with doing the thing that got you viral forever if you want to keep those people. Do you think that's true, Mia? Yes, I was actually going to bring that up at some point. Um, so I'm glad that you did first. But yeah, and that's something uh, like ugh, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But it's the kind of thing where you see one thing and you go on that person's account and it's just that and there's nothing else and there's nothing below the surface. And it's very clear that this person kind of just stumbled into this thing and now they're almost trapped doing the same thing or else they won't get as much enga um, engagement and the endorphin rush won't be as high from going viral. So it can be saddening and exhausting to make yourself do the same thing creatively when artists naturally grow and do new things and explore. So you'd hope that your followers and people who care about you would stick around for the journey. But most of the time, it's not that simple. Neil is asking, all of this sounds so discouraging. How do you motivate yourself to keep moving forward, especially with social media? It's small gains. You have to be in it for the long game. Because if you want just, whoa, something exploded and I sold out my whole shop in two minutes that's just so unrealistic the vast majority of successful artists who sell consistently it took them years it is not one post that builds a company i mean every single company is like that so you have to think about it that way so you don't feel like it's you it's not you it's just that things take time <laughs> it's impersonal so, exactly 
So th this is where I learned my lesson because I did have a post that went pretty viral to the point it's this video here, the jelly plate video. It got to a million views and my phone was just exploding that one day. It was just every five seconds I was getting a new follower. So I went from 16,000 followers to 32, I think in like 24 hours. So I doubled my follower count. But you know something? My engagement stayed exactly the same. Same number of comments, same people, nothing changed, only the follower count. So Doreen, why do you think that is? Because Instagram hates all of us and wants us to have all senses of hope and happiness and yeah. Simple, as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like it's just all that adrenaline, not that adrenaline, the dopamine rush that we crave from going viral as Mia was saying, like we all, when we see a like pop up on our phone, as much as we hate to say it, we do get a rush of happiness. It's like, oh, someone liked that. Like it's validation. So being able to kind of control that, I feel is the main reason why Instagram capitalizes on us posting so much because then it creates this doom scrolling factor of that's when people find you because you're in the middle of them scrolling for like 30 minutes and if you're not one of those people then you're not lucky that day so it's also about the timing again the luck, like yeah so many factors it's annoying lisa says viral disappointment seems similar to post-olympic depression in other words when i win the gold my life will be perfect i do that all the time i'm like when i get this i'll be set but you never are <laughs> there's always the next thing and that's the way we are as creative people we strive for new things all the time this is the part that stresses me out, is that if you have really high profile viral art, that is so much scrutiny. And this is a piece by Bria Goler that was made when Kamala Harris became vice president in the US. And so she created this piece of artwork and this totally exploded. This is like, she was on Good Morning America the next day and was on all these TV shows and there's tons of press about this piece, but it became complicated because it was all over the place, but then it got complicated because people didn't realize where that shadow image came from. And the vast majority of your average person doesn't have art history knowledge. But if you do, you know that that silhouette of the little girl is actually from this Norman Rockwell painting, The Problem We All Live With, which is an image of Ruby Bridges. And it was a big problem because a lot of people were sort of mad that she didn't say in the caption, oh, this is from a Norman Rockwell painting. She didn't offer that credit. And so a lot of people were mad about that. And there was a lot of confusion. People had to clear things up. So she did eventually say, oh, no, this is what it is. So she had to do damage control because she had no idea it was going to get this scrutinized. And a lot of people were mad because they thought it was Kara Walker's silhouette. But really, it was Norman <laughs> Rockwell's. So, Mia, I, I don't envy this. <laughs> no, and I think that a lot of the scrutiny as well could be like smaller things like this is on such a huge scale and it, and it deals with lots of heavy historical contexts and kind of misinformation and things like that. But a lot of viral 
posts, you look at the comments, it's like, I hate that color or you're using your paintbrush wrong or like something like that. Like, like little kind of petty things that build up and up and up. And eventually it's just annoying. So I think that it, it's to two extremes. Like you get the really annoying people and then you get people who are like, who are, you know, har harping on more important things or catching you if you missed up. And that can be good in some cases, I think. But um, most of the time it's just kind of obnoxious and anxiety inducing. Viral art often uses cheap tricks. Here's my confession. I hate viral art. <laughs> I pretty much never like it. Every time I see something, I just roll my eyes because it just feels like such a gimmick all the time. So tell us in the chat who here agrees with me and who here maybe is more balanced? Because I just, ugh, I'm sorry, I just dismiss it all. It just all looks the same. It's very frustrating. So Dorian, do you have a take on viral art? Do you love it, hate it, or does it depend? I hate it. I hate it, I hate it for what it makes us do. Uh, <laughs> I, hate, I, I hate how it makes me feel that <laughs> uh, I have to do this next to my art piece and like sell my like you really have to sell yourself to the TikTok gods in a sense like <laughs> i don't know it's just annoying especially lips like this really just yeah mia yeah go ahead i see yeah i've wanted i've wanted to yell about the lime lips for like a year um okay so <laughs> the lime lips and this whole phenomenon online of making kind of one hyper-realistic object taken out of any context. Its only purpose is to show, okay, this person can do an exact replication of this realistic thing. And it blows up and you go to the account and it's just all of the same thing. And at this point, I'm, I'm happy at this point because TikTok especially has kind of taken almost like a post-irony approach to this as a subject matter where now it's like a meme and people are dressing up as the lime lips and like doing really <laughs> crazy stuff to highlight how ridiculous it is to just have such meaningless and surface level art be the highest performing accounts on TikTok or Instagram. And I think that we saw this when Instagram was really young and early, the kind of bright, hyper-realistic colored pencil drawings. And it's never really changed. I think that people can recognize viral art no matter what, because it's it's lacking meaning and concept. And I'd love to hear what other people think in the chat, because I've been wanting to rant about this for a long time, as you can tell. <laughs> to me, it's so vapid. It's like, you guys ever read a novel that was so trashy that it was like a painful experience? Like I read that horrible book, a uh, girl with the pearl earring. What was the word? The the really trashy novel. And I read it and I just was like cringing the whole time. It was, it was so popular. People were like, you're an artist, go read that. I was like, no, I do not like this, even though it's really popular. Also, I don't think it's an accident that the other artists with the hand washing had all that bling and sparkly stuff. And so does this artist. Do you think that's a coincidence, Dorian? <laughs> Does the sun shine during the day? Yeah. I mean, I think. I'm oh, sorry. Or no, I don't know. It's just this stuff. 
it's so hard for me to be upset at it at the same time because it's like I know someone took time to actually try and make this, but at the same time, it's like when you're doing things like this, it feels so repetitive and so much like a robot's doing it. And it's just, I don't like, yeah, and then you go to this where it's like, whoa, like there's a composition, there's feeling, there's emotion, there's movement, there's something that like really. Like, you want to know, okay, how did they do this versus the other one? Yeah. Lamlet. This is, to clarify, this is Marilyn Minter. So, this is not the same artist as the Lime Lips artist. But I put Marilyn Minter in here because you can certainly see there are some similarities. There is the bling, it's the lip, and it's fairly sumptuous looking. And Marilyn Minter did not go viral. And she has very few followers compared to the other artists. But Marilyn Minter is, oh my gosh, art world royalty. <laughs> she's in museum collections. She's showing at all these galleries. And she's a very productive artist. I mean, that's one of the reasons I like her so much. But Mia, it's like, it, it sort of infuriates me that these things are a little similar. But this is so much better, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that this, the lime lips and things of that nature, which people are discussing, and I love the little conversation happening, but um, it's there, uh, it feels gimmicky, almost like they're promoting this brand of vi what, I, what viral art is supposed to be. And I think that Marilyn Minter is coming at it from more of a, okay, what do I want to say with this piece? Like she has a style and she has a way of doing things, but it's each piece is different and there's a different mood and there's it, it involves deeper thinking. And the other pieces just just don't. Um, and it is kind of infuriating because you're like, oh no, the state of the world and the state of the union and the economy. And then you just go down the rabbit hole. But um but yes, it's 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 just wild. The thing is, if you go to Marilyn Minter's Instagram, this is not all that she does. She's an incredibly prolific artist. And if you look at some of the other artists, it's like, yeah, that's their shtick. Every single artwork is basically the exact same thing. And so to me, that's a big difference. When I go to an artist's Instagram and I see, oh, wow, this artist really has range. They're really pushing themselves creatively. And it's not just a one trick pony. And this leads us into the next point, which is most artwork in museum collections, major galleries in New York City, they don't go viral. For example, I went to the Guggenheim last week in New York City. I was so excited to see the Sarah Z show because I've been following her career for a long time. And she is like the queen of the art world. She's won every single prestigious MacArthur Grant, Venice Biennale. I mean, she's done it all. Okay, and her museum exhibition was stunning. I mean, solo show with the Guggenheim, it doesn't really get better than that as an artist. And yet, Dorian, she's barely on Instagram. She has an account, but doesn't do anything. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like that's like, <sighs> there's so many ways to be successful in the art world and in the design world and going viral is one of the few ways where it's like a lottery and you can really go big and you can hit the lottery and you have everything but you gotta remember the government's still gonna take taxes which also is another way of me saying that you're not gonna have the viewers that you really think that you do like you're going to have to really still build and still put your best foot forward every day with your work because 
if you can't keep doing that, then you're going to lose that following just as quick as you got it. So being able to have a show at the Guggenheim and do those things, uh, I feel like are amazing. And the fact that she doesn't have to document it because she's like, my work speaks for itself. Like, look up any news article about me. That's all that I need. Like, there's various ways in the validation that you can go to. Well, I like what Bash says. It seems like so far viral art is flashy, like advertisements. Yeah, advertising is its own field, but the purpose of an ad is not remotely similar as an artwork is. And so that's where it really does not align very much. And in general, art that requires deeper contemplation, it doesn't tend to go viral. Why is that, Mia? Because people don't have an attention span for that online. I mean, I, I will be scrolling away from a video if it doesn't capture my attention in under 0.5 seconds. And that's my fault. <laughs> I did that to myself. But also that's just the um, the political kind of, not political, the, the state of the online world is that I think especially younger people and people who are chronically online have no attention span or desire to do any further research most of the time, most of the time, unless it's something that they're passionate about. But I think that um, it needs bright colors. It needs, it needs, people need to be handheld kind of through it. So if you can capture their attention and, and accomplish that and tell them what they need to know about the piece immediately, that's a win. But that is in its own way an advertisement. It's advertising, look at this, like read about my art think about my art. It's it's selling it that way. Whereas if you're going to a museum, that's already kind of a given or a gallery or a show, you, you're you going there to learn. When you're online, you're kind of doom scrolling until someone gives you a reason to care and to do further research. Um, Dorian, I think the thing about viral art is it is experienced online. Now, when I went to the Guggenheim, don't you think most people when they go to a museum, they're just in a different place than when they're scrolling on TikTok? There's so much more to being in front of a piece or being present in a space where there are other creative things or creative people. And yeah, I feel like how you said, when you go there, it's a completely different world. Like I'm not just sitting and looking at this rectangular thing in my hand. Like I'm able to actually see the scale. I'm able to see the strokes, the brush marks, basically kind of feel like I'm also there with the artist. And for me to be able to engage with the piece deeply, I can't necessarily do that on my phone, which is why we have such a short attention span is because we can't really do anything about it. It's not there in front of us. If we see a cool shirt being screen printed, like that's why a lot of my videos are real quick now where it's like, hey, did the shirt. Okay, cool, next. Like, it, unless it captures your attention, you're like, I want to see what that's like in person. I want to see what that's doing for me, then it's, yeah, I feel like it lacks that viral note. <laughs> Mia, I also think that there are so many different parts of the art world. And sometimes if you aren't familiar with those various pockets, it's easy to say going viral is the only way to have success. I have to do that. But then you don't realize that, oh, well, there's this whole other world that could care less <laughs> about viral art. And that does value deeper contemplation. I mean, if you speak to someone who's a curator or an art dealer, I mean, 
there are some contemporary artworks that to me are like viral art, but for some reason they get recognition. Like MoMA just had this AI installation that honestly I think is total trash. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, to me, it looks like a really bad screensaver. Can't remember the artist's name. So you do see some of that, but in general, Mia, I think that people do value these things. It's just they don't value it on the phone scrolling up and down. Yeah. And I think that there, I don't want to make it seem like we're saying like, oh, traditional art realm is the way to go or, or fine art realm or prestigious art realm is the way to go. And that's the only art that matters because I think that social media is really good for people who might not be connected. Like I'm not really connected to the pretentious like gallery world or the art world in that regard. Like I know artists in real life, but social media is fun for me because I get to connect and share in my own way that makes me happy. And that doesn't mean making kind of trending things or lime lips. It means promoting my work that comes to me naturally. And I think that um, there's so much gatekeeping and kind of walls that are being built up to keep the art world mysterious and um, not accessible to uh, to everyone. So social media is really good to expose people to the art world. I just wish that it wasn't as, I don't know, I feel like people associate social media with cheap tricks for a reason, but it doesn't have to be that way. CF Stars says, I feel like too many artists fall prey to no longer creating to create and just start creating to be seen. I, I mean, I confess that I <laughs> do that very often. Because we have enough of a following now that I know when I post something, I am going to get comments. That wasn't the case a long time ago when I didn't have that following. But I confess that I think about that. Do you, Dorian? All the time. Uh, that's why I'm consistently I take breaks from social media uh, and step away whenever I feel it's necessary. Because it is also taxing on your health just to constantly be creating stuff where you're like, uh, like I need to get the like, I need to get the share, I need to get this, I need to get that. Like it takes a lot out of a person and especially for an artist and a creative that can create burnout really quickly, that can create forms of imposter syndrome that already are existing in a lot of us because we went to art institutions. Uh, that's a whole other stream. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, yeah, I don't know. What is the <laughs> Brian is asking, is there a difference between viral art and pop art? Well, to clarify, pop art is a very specific art movement that happened in the 19, what, 60s in the 20th century. And that's a very specific group of artists. So people like Andy Warhol, Roy Lichtenstein, they are pop artists. They are associated with that movement. But viral art isn't really a movement. It's just something that happens. But it is interesting. It kind of is a movement a little, I because, would say. Yeah, like, especially the fact that most pop art is being replicated and turned into that viral art. Like the lip stuff, it makes me think of some of just the really hyper-realist art that was in some of uh, Andy Warhol's stuff. Like, people always do the, like, uh, the Marilyn Monroe, uh, Campbell's noodle, chicken noodle soup, like, every form of it, people replicate that. Uh, certain photographers, certain people, like, there's a lot of replications of that stuff. So it's interesting that he brought up the pop art being really related to viral art movement. Well, so technically, 
in terms of terminology and art historical terms, that's how I would define it. But I think that's a very good point is there is a lot of crossover. And actually, I've always wondered what Andy Warhol would have been like on social media. Now that would have been <laughs> amazing to see because I, I just imagine he would have loved it to death and done that's really cool, cool things. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yes. Like I, I was thinking about that when I was reading that is just like, that's kind of the equivalent of what social media is now where it's like yeah. fast consumption of um like a color palette or subject matter just made to be seen and consumed and like it's it's very interesting i do think that when you think about like gen z and social media and the age of kind of digital art making it is its own movement and it's interesting to watch because everything moves faster online too it's like 50 times the speed of like normal art movements. There's like mm -hmm. little mini movements that go on. I do think this is a Gen Z thing because I'm not interested. <laughs> anyway, you guys, we've got some workshops. There is one on Sunday on professional development. We are talking about a number of different topics. So any professional development topic that you would like to chat with us about, that is this Sunday. There is still time to register if you are interested. And we just announced our June workshops. The registration is due Friday, May 26th. We are offering Selling Your Art, Pricing Your Art. I'm so hurt, Dorian. Oh my God. Why, why are you so unaccepting of my slides? <laughs> <laughs> Dynamic figure drawing drawing primates in color, gestural portraits. This is your time to take the workshop, you guys, because I'm going to Japan in July. And so you're probably not going to get a chance to take a workshop with me for a little while. So squeeze it in. In June, information is on artprof.org on the main page and also in the YouTube video description below. <laughs> Please join. Dorian and I are going to be in the Discord right after the stream we are going to do a stage session, and that's where you get to talk to us on voice. Meet us in the post live streams stage channel. Join our Patreon group. We have so much fun in there. You get to share your art in weekly voice sessions. I provide lots of support, very extensive critiques like the one you see here. And you also get support in a small group of artists, which I don't think is actually that common. People really get invested in each other, are very supportive. So consider the Patreon group. Our prof has services. We have portfolio critiques, statement editing, artist calls, personal art curriculums, and a big thank you to our wonderful top supporters who support us on Patreon. You guys are incredible for holding us up. Visit artprof.org. There's so much content on there that's not on YouTube. Use the search bar. That's the easiest thing. Art Prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe to our channel for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.